Blog Talk Radio. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, or Rabbi, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God shall be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me 
while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Amen. Amen. The book of John, ninth chapter, one through. Oh, Father God, use me this morning. I may touch some, some mother's child, some father's boy, and bring them closer to thee. My title this morning is, I was blind, but now I see. Seek ye the light. This story is written by John. John was one of the Lord's disciples. John was very close to Jesus. John was even referred to in the text as the one who Jesus loved. He was in the inner circle of Jesus' closest disciples. John later became an apostle. That's when he did a lot of his writings. John had a unique way of writing. His books stressed two points, belief and love in Jesus. Now, Jesus healed a lot of people in the Bible that had lost their sight, but this particular story is different. This man had never seen. This story takes place as Jesus is leaving the temple. And he sees this man that had been blind since birth. Now God had waited until this particular time and this particular day to show his glory through this man. This man went through his childhood, a teenager, and a young man being blind. He was looked upon as less than a man because of his affliction. Can you imagine not being able to work or, or do anything but sit outside the temple and beg for money and food all day long, just trying to make it through? No promising future, no immediate goal, not even a feeling of promise for tomorrow. You go from day to day just trying to survive. Most of us have a lot in common with this man. We travel from day to day trying to strive and do our best. Often time in life, it's a, a miracle just trying to survive. Regardless of how hard you try, be it a job or your finance, a relationship, or even your children, you go to work and no matter what you do, you can't seem to please your boss. You say to yourself, I have to find a better job. The only thing that soothes your mind is that saying, at least I'm blessed to have a job. You go to church and you hear the pastor talking about paying your tithes and give 10% and you stop and you think about it because you only have $58 in your pocket and that was to last you for another week. And the bad part is $40 of that 58 is already 
old out. You thought that you were going to get some sort of help from your spouse, but they don't have any money. They're on their own agenda altogether. Your children still come to you and say, Mama, do you have? Or, Daddy, I need. I would go as far to say that there are some of you today besides myself that are survivors. You've been sick and tired of being sick and tired. You've been broken, discouraged. You've been through a, a bad relationship, and you thought death was coming to get you. But you made it through. You're a survivor. One thing we have in common with this blind man is that one immediate fact that God allows us to get into these situations just so you can see his grace and his mercy, everlasting power and getting us out. How many of you here have been blind? How many of you listening have been blind? Let me explain myself a little better. You know those times when you were in a place you had no business being or the time when you did what you did knowing that you shouldn't have done it. But you did it anyway because you were bad enough just to do it. Or that time when you laid your head down or, or picked it up when you should have put it back down. You see, we've all fallen short. We've all lost our minds at one point in time or another. We all knew what we should have done, but we didn't put the Lord first in our lives. Or better yet, took his grace and his mercy for granted. We had great eyesight, but we couldn't see the light. We didn't see Jesus. We were blind. But the good news. The good news, as the text said, Jesus came passing by. The works of God shall be revealed in him. You see, Jesus knows how far to let us go before he steps in and says, let me save him from himself. You know those times when we've said, I don't know what I'm going to do when we've laid in your bed at night crying and you had so much on your mind that you had to crawl out, crawl out of bed and get down on bended knees saying, Lord, my God, just please have mercy on me. See, Jesus hears your prayers. See, all you have to do is call on Jesus and believe. The text says that Jesus spat on the ground and made mud and anointed the eyes of the blind man. Then told him to go wash in the pool of Shalom. The man went and the man washed, and he came back seeing. Now all, the, now all those people that, that had passed this man by, Every day wasn't sure 
if it was him or not. So they took this man, they took him to the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees, they questioned him and they drilled him. They drilled this man and then they drilled him some more. They were asking, who was this man? Were you truly blind? How long were you blind? Who did you think this man was? They even summoned the man's parents, asking them. See, now back in that time, the Jews had a law that if anyone aligned themselves with Jesus Christ, that they would be cast out of the church, which means they couldn't shop, they couldn't trade, they couldn't go to church or even mingle with the other people. So needless to say, they were so afraid, the parents they were, they, they said, he's our son, and he was born blind. Now, what happened from then to now, we don't know. But he's old enough to answer for himself. Ask him. The Pharisees went as far to say that I know this healer. This man they call Jesus, he's a sinner. The man said, you can call him what you want. But the one thing that I know is, though I was blind, now I see. So finally, the, the Pharisees, they cast him out. And Jesus found the man and, and said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? And the man said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. And with no hesitation, the man said those historical words, Lord, I believe. Now, through everything, all the harassment, through all of the drilling, through being cast out, talked about and passed over, this man believed. You're not going to change this man's mind. You see, they didn't suffer like this man suffered. They weren't blind the way this man was blind. This man realized that through it all, all those people passed him over while Jesus passed by and healed him. You see, that's all it takes, belief. Other people may not, but you, you believe. Other people may laugh at you, but you, you believe. Other people may talk about you, but you, you believe. So the next time that the troubles come or, 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 or the job isn't right, all your finances are short. Just read Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be open to you. 
or your relationship, your relationship may be in trouble. Read Psalms 37. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you're having problems with your children, read Psalms 30. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, great joy comes in the morning. Trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He'll show you the way. You, you see, I've been blind. I've been in the dark. I've been places I had no business going. I've seen the street called straight and decided to go an alternate route. I've seen the stumbling blocks and decided to still spell. I jumped off the diving board of life head first into man's spirit or, or a bottle rather than the spirit of Jesus Christ. But when I found Jesus, when the Lord touched my heart, I realized that I shall seek the light of the Lord all the days of my life. This light that the Lord gave me, this light is what I'm going to let shine. Shine everywhere I go. I know that things don't always work out the way you want them to, but just trust and believe in Jesus. He will see you through. I realize that the job isn't always fair, but just seek Jesus. I know the kids may do things that make you want to scream and weep. Show them the right way and just seek Jesus. When things, when things get complicated, read Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Just trust Joshua 119. It says, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It doesn't matter what you are going through. The Bible tells me in Matthew 19:26, with God, all things are possible. The one thing that I know, as long as I live my life for Christ, as long as I let my light shine, as long as I trust, in the Lord, I am the master of my faith and the captain of my soul. I shall trust in the Lord everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, I shall trust in it. I'm going to tell you a little story. It won't take about a second of your time. There, there were these, these, these four lifelong friends who had, had grown up together as children down in the country. Now, years had passed by, and they hadn't seen each other in over 20 years. So one particular holiday, they had all met with each other, reminiscing about all the fun times they used to have, laughing and joking. Then they started talking about the fun times they used to have fishing. You see, they used to go fishing way back in the woods about two or three miles back on a trail. And at the end of this trail was a creek. So they decided the next morning they were going to go. So they met up and they went fishing. They had a great time. 
And on the way back, all for these grown men, again, they were reminiscing about the days past. And as they were walking, they heard this noise around the next knoll. So they walked over there, and they saw this cave. Now, they were astonished because they had played all their childhood in these woods but had never seen this here before. And out of this cave, they could hear all sorts of sounds, like people's voices and a, a slight hint of music. So they decided to walk on in. It was very dark in this cave, but they started to see a little glimmer, a glimmer of light. So they walked around this little corner, and they saw this man sitting on the ground with a bottle in his hand. And the man said, come on and join me. And one of the guys said, I'm going to sit here. You all stop and get me on the way back. So the others kept on going. They walked a little further, and they, they saw this this lady. In fact, there were a few of them. And they were very little dressed up. They didn't have much, many clothes on it. And they were beckoning for the men to come on over. And one of the guys went over and looked back and said, stop and get me on the way back. And the other two kept on walking. They went a little further and they, they saw some men standing over in a little cove. And the man looked a little shaded. One friend said to another, you go ahead. I'll meet you on the way out. So the last man kept on walking. And he walked around the corner and looked up and saw all these people in a little club in the cave. They were drinking and dancing, and the place was packed. And he walked in, and while he was there, he looked up. And one of the first people he saw and recognized was his son, his own son. He walked over there, and the first thing that came out of his mouth was, Son, what are you doing in here? His son answered him and said, Daddy, I was about to ask you the same thing. Dad, I was just going fishing, doing the things that you used to do. And I stumbled upon this cave. I've been in here ever since. I can't seem to find my way out. So at that particular time, the father knew. He had to make a drastic change that they were getting out of there. The father thought about all the times his mother would tell him, son, you can always call on Jesus. He said, son, you might not know the way out, but I know somebody who can get us out of here. So they walked back to the door of the club, and the, and the father got down on bended knees, and he prayed. And when he got up, he felt as though his soul was on fire. Over all of the music, he heard a thump, a loud boom, and a voice that said, Seek ye the light. He looked out to his son and said, Follow me. It's time to walk by faith. And they started walking. They came around a bend and they saw the friend that had left with the, the shady characters. He was standing over there with a gun in his belt and a gold watch on, diamonds on his fingers, counting money. And he told them, man, we are getting out of here. Come on with us. And the friend said, you go ahead. I'm coming. I'm a little busy. So the man said, Matthew 6, 19 says, do not lay yourself treasures on earth. 
to lay up yourself treasures in heaven. Then they made another step, and they walked away from him. And around the corner, they saw a friend that they had left with the women. And he said, man, it's time to go. And the, the friend said, you go ahead. I'm going to stay here. I'm having problems at home anyway. You know what they say, the grass may be greener on the other side. And the father said, the Bible tells me that man must pray and always pray. You need to pray for your marriage. But remember, you water your own grass. It'll turn green. It'll grow. And the man, he walked away, and, and him and his son, and he made another step. They, they walked a, a little further. Then the son said to the father, Daddy, I'm tired. I just want to sit and rest for a little while. And the father said, son, I know you're tired, but don't give up yet. If we keep walking by faith, we'll be there after a while. Just think about when we get caught up in the rapture, son. I've heard some of God's singing disciples say, we're going to walk around heaven, heaven all day, going to sing it and never get tired. So he grabbed his son's hand and they made another step. And they walked around the corner and they saw the last friend with a bottle in one hand and a pipe in the other. And he said, man, it's time to get out of here. It's time to walk by faith. And the man said, you go. I'll be all right. The man said, Second Timothy tells me, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Get yourself together. The father looked at the son with tears streaming from the wells of his eyes. And they walked a little further. Then they came around the corner and they saw the entrance of the cave. They saw the light. The air smelled so good. The gentle breeze was like a kiss, a kiss from Jesus. So the man dropped down to his knees and thanked God for bringing him out of the darkness. Then his son said, good. Now we can finally, we can finally go home. And the father said, wait a minute, son. Don't forget those people. Don't forget those friends, those children of God that we left behind. Some mother's baby, some father's child. Just because you have made it out, don't disregard them. It wasn't too long ago that we were lost and, and couldn't find our way. It wasn't too long ago that we were in the dark. Never forget from whence you've come. So he told his son, help me pick up this boulder. It was huge. And they walked it over to the entrance of the cave. So when they walked it over, they dropped it. And it made a loud thump. It made a loud boom, a familiar noise. The same noise that they had heard when they were in the darkness. And the man yelled down the cave, see? Ye, the light. See, whenever you're not sure on how to find the light, you know which way to go. You want to seek Jesus. Be it for forgiveness or anything else. Just read John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All you have to do is just believe. We've all been blind at one point in time or another. 
Seek Jesus. That's all we got to do. Trust and believe. Envy. He'll never leave you, nor will he forsake you. Trust in God. Although I was blind, I now see. And don't forget the ones you left behind. Walk up to your brother and tell him, see, ye hold on to God's unchanging hand. Amen, amen, and amen again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Be with us, Father. Thank you. Apostle Mercer, for bringing me yes, just a little closer to Christ. God, Amen. Reverend Lucas, would you pray for the body this morning? Amen. In the name of Jesus, oh, Father God, be with us this morning, Lord. We need you right now, Father God. In times like these, Lord, we need thee. Father God, we've all been blind at one point in time or another, Lord. But I know through you all things are possible. You can reach down in that dark cave and find us where we're lost. You can reach down, Father God, hold our precious hands and pull us on through, Lord. I know you can do all things, all things but fail. Watch over the lost at heart. Watch over the lost in mind. Watch over that mother's child. Watch over that father's boy. Father God, we need you in our lives right now. Let your grace and your mercy, Father God, rain down on us. Keep us in the hem of your heart. We need you, Lord. We need you, Father God, in times like these. Be with us, Lord. Encourage us, Father God. Give us the hope that we know that you're there with us, Lord. When we get weak, pick us up and put us back on our feet. When we get tired, give us rest, Father God. When we don't have any more strength, pick us up, Father God, and start us on our way. You can do all things, Lord. This we know. All we have to do is call on thee, that precious name of Jesus, that name above every name, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess the sweet name of Jesus. Guide us, Lord, and we shall be guided. Keep us, Lord, and we shall be kept in the precious and wonderful Wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. And amen again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, each and every one.
from the Chicago Mass Choir, Hold On to God's Unchanging Hand. Truly, we need to hold on to the Lord because with him we can do all things. Without him, we can do nothing. God bless you. We just heard from Reverend Ray Lucas. Truly, that is a man of God who can rightly divide the word of truth. He said, blind, but now I can see. God bless you again. Remember now, the title was Blind, But Now I Can See. It is very sad when you see through blinders. It is very sad when you can't see the forest for the trees. It is sad when you are looking through an illusion of your mind, refusing to see the truth not only about yourself but about that circumstance. You know, Michael Jackson said, look at the man in the mirror. And I will ask you the question this morning, what do you see? A lot of times people see the 20%, but they can't see the 80% that God is trying to show them. Well, get out your Bibles at this time and let us go into the inner courts and behind the veil and let us look at if we will look at that 20% versus that 80% or look at the man in the mirror, tell us what would you see? Would you be blinded by that illusion? God bless you again. You're listening to the Firefold Ministry Broadcast. Amen. That you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the suffering or the pain. But what I do know that your God is able to do anything but fail. If you trust him, if you believe him, if you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to those mountains, be thou removed. Yes, we don't know everything that you've been through. That's only between you and the Father. As Terry Douglas says, that I was turning over to God, and I'm encouraging you to do the same. Amen.
you ever found people that try to think for other people, talk to other people, or say what's on other people's minds, that is dangerous. God says that nobody knows the thought, the hour, the day, when he will come back, and truly, we don't know the thought of other people. We only know the character that we see. People can smile in your back. People can smile in your face, rather, and stab you in your back. People can say they're your friends and look right at you and be there for you, and all the time they are plotting to pull the rug from under you. Please never estimate a man by his outward appearance and believe you know what he is thinking and what he is getting ready to say out of his mouth. You may be fooled and have a surprise in store. This was how it was with Saul and David, that David wanted to be around someone that he was trying to help build him up. And this old boy, as we said, the big dog was Saul, who decided that he was going to uh, smile and be with David at the the, um, same time he couldn't stay in his guts. When you be around people that says that they like you but they hate you all the time. So let us listen in to our part two. God bless you again. You're listening to the Fivefold Ministry broadcast as we rightly divide the word of truth. Get your Bibles out as we look at Samuel's um Samuel one and Samuel two. And God bless you. Sit back and enjoy. Amen. Look at me! 
Look at my house. Look at my car. Look at my clothes. Look at me. He would have told us all his business. Uh-oh. I'll say it again that Saul wanted to be recognized, and he wanted to be in the limelight. Sometimes you'll get people that the only glorification that they have is to uh, raise themselves up. It's for other people to give them a pat on the back. It's for other people to give them accolades. It's for those that can say, look at me, I'm riding as a big dog. Well, he was humiliated because there was something to let him know that he was a human being. Uh-oh, has God ever had to show you that when you get that pain in your body or get that ache in your bones and when you get that indigestion to feel like it's going to be a heart attack? that you are reminded that you are just a human, that you are uh, the one made in God's image, but there is only one great creator. There is only one great I am. There is only one Alpha and Omega. Saul had to be reminded that he was lower than the angels. Well, God was able to use his disciple. His name was David. He was loyal to this person. He did everything that he could that was good. He was best friends to his son, and he had married his daughter. Yet Saul was still jealous. He had everything, the money, the house, the land, the favor. God had enlarged his tag, but he still wasn't satisfied because he wanted all the shine, all the eyes to be on him. Saul became jealous. That somebody else was getting recognized, jealous. That somebody else was getting uh, raised up. You know, you see people like that when you uh, see different ones, look at them on TV or listening to them on the radio or looking at them in Facebook or hearing about the invitations that they got to go around the world or even preaching different churches. People get a little jealous and they start acting funny. I have seen people that can read about those uh, large preachers with the big congregations all over the world, especially those in Texas, that they see people who are preaching the gospel and trying to do good, but they have haters. It is sad when you have a hater because you're shining a little bit more than them, that you're being recognized, but yet they don't see the struggle that they were out in the wilderness, that they started out poor, that they started out struggling, trying to build the ministry up to get where they are today. And you have those that still was jealous because look where you are. Saul was jealous of David because here was David, a nobody becoming a somebody in God. Uh-oh. Have you seen people in the church that come in through the back door, but then God sit them up on the front seat and God pull them all the way up and by the pastor and everybody get mad. They say, you know, I used to sing that choir. I was the, the, the one that was a soloist or I was the deacon that was here 20 and 30 years. And no, I was the one that my mother helped start this church. And my family always set up in that seat. No, I'm the one that, that should get recognized. This is a stranger. Where did this person come from? Why are they taking away the shine from me, from my child, from my family, from my position? Oh, God, even from my title, they get mad because all of a sudden the focus is not on them, 
but on somebody else. Well, I come to tell you that God has no respect of person, that God will use who he wants to use, that God will raise up the one that he elects, that God can say, this is it, and it is so. God don't care about the color of your skin. He don't care about uh, your last name. He's not trying to recognize your status, your degree, what seminary school, what uh, courses that you have taken, uh, that you started out from the back and now you're at the top. God make a decision who he wants to use. Well, God used the David, someone that was out in the wilderness, someone that was playing instrument and praising God, someone that had his focus on doing what was necessary, not only to survive, but to take care of his family. Uh-oh. You know, when you have the right motive, I'm just going to slow down. I told you I'd get excited. When you have the right motive, and you are trying to be about your father's business, that favor and the mammon drop from heaven. I'll say it again, that you get that morning too, the glory of God, the favor of God, that you can just go behind the veil and the prayer will be answered. You can go behind the veil and God will show up. Hey, miracle and signs will happen. Why? Because you got rightness in your heart. David was a man after God's own heart. David worshiped and praised God. David wrote songs to God. David, regardless, put God in it. He said, for God I live and for God I die. Saul was overcome with jealousy. He wanted to remove David from his camp. It is sad when you be around someone that you try to lift them up. Be around someone that you try to go into their vineyard, into their house. You want to be about a help. You got a smile on your face. You're excited that you're in the midst, but you got those murmurs whispering behind your back. You got those accusers that's rolling their eyes two times. You got somebody that's pointing a finger at you even though it's going back at themselves. You're having someone waiting for you fall, waiting for you to slip, or even trying to pull the rug from under you. God forbid. David stood right there because he knew that was his assignment. He knew that he was commissioned by God to go into that particular vineyard. It's just like Ruth. Ruth was about a good work. She left uh, a town of despair with Naomi, her mother-in-law, and she went and followed a woman of God until the point that she became uh, her protege. She became the image of Ruth in that the humbleness and the favor of God fell upon her, and she was able to get a blessing from God. You know, it's sacrifices, it's humility, it is humbleness, it is just stretching out and trusting God that you are going to get the favor of God and not the praises of man. Saul did it to himself. You know, a lot of people make their own problems and cause their own situation and suffer their own consequences. When you badmouth people, when you stab them in the back, when you smile in the face but you hate their guts, when you invite them to come into your house to eat but then you talk about how much food that they have, when you tell them come on in the church that you can sure use them but then you get mad because they do the job very well, and you can't stand them to be in the midst. Saul was like that. You know, it's sad that he was a manipulator. He was a con artist. By any means necessary that he wanted the good 
that they repossess. I'm trying to slow down. I'm getting excited. That Saul looked at David and said, you know, I, I, I can use his singing on a choir. I can use him playing the music up here in my temple. I can use him being an orator, speaking and making an announcement. I can use him to be uh, a part of my camp to enlarge my territory to make me look good. I have seen those that they'll say, you know, I got somebody in my church now. That boy sure can preach. Yeah, you need to invite him out. I got somebody that I'm telling you, my band is good. You got leaders who are so glad that people are in their congregation. But when they shine, when they get recognized, when all of a sudden that everybody is saying something good, they get a little jealous. I sent that boy over there. It was me that let him come into the midst of my congregation. It was me that was God, that trained him for the ministry. I taught him in Bible class. I taught him in Sunday school. But they get mad when the person raised up to their potential. And we call them haters, prayer haters. Out in the street, they said they hate us. You know, you find those that work on a job. They sweat. They toil. They do the best that they can. They can't sleep at night. They suffer. They're nervous. They try everything to be a good steward. And when they get good at the job and when they stay a little late and when they go ahead and try to make that quota and go ahead and fix it, that that production is okay on the line, when they do everything they can for the job, you get haters. The supervisor get jealous. Uh, those that's in management, Get a little disturbed because you're working too well. It's like it's, I always hear people say that if I do good, they have a problem. If I do bad, it's a problem. I can't win either way. Good God Almighty. And then it gets to the point that if you do too good, eventually they want to fire you. If you don't do good enough, they want to complain. It's like a glass of water. You have filled, but you're not filled all the way to the top. You don't know if you should evaporate or just go ahead and fill that grass up. It is sad when you be around those saws or those haters that can't stand that the favor of God is on your life. Well, I'm trying to slow down. I told you when I talk about the goodness of God, and it comes straight from the press that comes from God himself, that he wants me to share it with you that you have to get rid of the foolishness. You got to get rid of that you cannot stand other people to be blessed. You brought it on yourself. You know, I'm not going to listen to them on the radio station. They ain't saying nothing. It's because they're jealous because it's not them. I'm not going to watch them on TV. I don't watch that channel anyhow because it's not them. I'm not going to that family reunion. I don't like the food because it's not about them. I'm not going to go ahead and go over to his church because I don't like the way they preach because it's not where you can be in charge and dictate and manipulate and con or just to say, look at me, that I need attention for myself. It is so sad that Saul couldn't see the bigger picture, that Saul could not see that David was his blessing. Good God Almighty. How many times have you heard the old Negro uh, spiritual and tale here in this United States that slaves work for masters, that slaves clean the houses, and slaves raise their kids, and slaves pick the cotton, and slaves took that land? Or 
other nations, that it was the people, the sweat and uh, the tour of their hands and the, and the breaking of their back, that they build up a country or a nation, that they were able to sustain them and make it financially better, that the economics rolled up. But yet, they are jealous. You know, I tell people all the time, please do not go in a man's house, eat his food, smile in his face, can't stand his gut, and soon as you get out the door, you know, I ain't like that chicken anyhow. It wasn't uh, cooked all the way. You know, I, I, I really didn't want to be there, but I just went over there to show my respect. You know, I probably got sick of indigestion. Why go to a man's house and eat his food if you're going to talk about him? Why be around another Christian when you're jealous and you don't mean them no good? Why even be a friend? To someone that you can't treat him like a brother. It's very sad that Saul kept David around because why? He didn't have the favor of God. He had got rejected. Why did he get rejected? Because he wouldn't repent. He wouldn't resist temptation. He did not do what he needed to do that was right before God. He wanted to do his own thing. He was a fallen hero. Saul misused his power. Saul let pride take over. Saul stuck his chest out and became self-righteous. It's all about me, me, myself, and I. Uh-oh, there's that word. I, I, I. It's about me. When you get to the point that you cannot see the forest for the trees, all you can see is yourself. As Michael Jackson used to say, look at the man in the mirror. What do you see? You know, when I look at Facebook, and that's not a bad account, but sometimes it's so sad because you really try to just uh, see the social, uh, the socialness of people, how they have gathered together. You like to see the little funny videos of them playing in the yard or even the little cook shows. But then the majority of it is, look at my new hairdo. Look at my new shoes. Look at my new suit. Look at my new clothes. Look at me singing a song. Look at me. It got so bad. Look at me walk in the building and walk out of building. You know, I can walk like a model. I could do that catwalk. It is all about false illusion in yourself. Self-pride. Saul was like that. I'm sure when he came in a room that he put on his fineries and all his jewelry and his diamonds. You know, I was watching uh, the Oscars here in the United States, and so many people showed up that they showed out. Half of them had no clothes on. So look at my body and my curves. Others uh, were so fancy and dressed that you couldn't even see the person. They were swallowed up in clothes. The veils were so high around the head that you couldn't see behind them. So many people had that bling on that you just said that looked like they went into a gold mine. Others wore diamonds that you need security to walk with you because they want to say, I have arrived. But when you put yourself out there, tell all your business, show all your business, show where you uh, went on vacation. Look at me. I went to Dubai. Look at me. I got me a 15 carat diamond. Look at me. I done brought me an Escalade. Look at me. I done got me a million-dollar home. It is good when you can say that God 
has blessed me and rose me up. But when you want to do it to get the favor of man, Saul was like that. He wanted the favor of man that jealousy took over. Good God Almighty. You know, when you look at the word jealousy, that he said that these people had the zeal that was on their life, but then it became lousy because of their attitude. The zeal became so lousy that it turned from something good to something bad. You know, that's what happened to Saul. Saul got to the point that he was kicking against his own self. And here little David was in the midst. He praised God, played praise and worship music to just to glorify God. He was able to try to soothe that temple. It even reminded me of myself that I go into a library of music that I try to exalt, edify, and encourage you to listen to those artists and learn about CDs so that you can rightly divide the word of truth so that you can feel the presence of God, so when you can feel the truth of his praise and worship, so you can go in the inner courts and sup with God, good God Almighty, that you're behind the veil and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is upon you. But then you got haters. You know, I'm so sick of her playing that song. I'm tired of that kind of music. I don't like listening to it anyhow. I'm Baptist. I'm Pentecostal. I'm apostolic. And she be playing that old jazz music, talking about a change is going to come. You got haters that won't do nothing to self. You got haters that always point finger and find blame. You got those that will listen to you to try to critique you, to judge you and tear you down, but are not doing nothing themselves. Do they push to go on the radio seven days a week to praise Jesus? Will they go out to the pastor and say, you know, I want to... Just praise and worship God. Can I go to the nursing homes? Can I go to the prisons? Can I clean your church and your bathroom? Can I sit up under your leadership so that uh, you can help me to be a minister or evangelist or help me to be a preacher or teacher of the gospel? No. They don't want to work. They want a sandwich already made. Ah, oh, I said it again. Some people don't want to make the sandwich. They want you to make it for them. Some people say, I like pie, but won't even go in the kitchen to serve sugar. They'd rather go to a store to buy a store-bought pie that don't have the same flavor and ingredients and love and care. But then when you make it for them, they eat the whole thing. Eat the whole cake of pie. Get mad at you when you want to take it home and say, you know, I only bought you a slice. I didn't buy you the whole thing. There are some selfish individuals out here that are always going to look at you and critique. I'm so tired of people trying to line me up to say, is she doing homiletics? Is she doing exo-Jesus? Is she uh, uh, doing rightly divide the word of truth? That I just want to know. They're so busy that I tell everybody I bring it the way God gives it to me. My life is my testimony. My sermon is what comes out my mouth that God gives me to say, not by man. Good God Almighty. I never will forget. I said, God, why do I have to go to Bible college? Why do I have to go to this seminary school? God said, people don't even think that you're called by God that I can use you to preach or that you have studied to find yourself approved to rightly divide the word. 
I said, God, you chose me, and you're going to give me what you want me to say. He said, some people don't even think you're qualified to say anything because uh, you didn't sit down and you did not learn your homiletics or homiletics and that you got to line it up and how you're supposed to divide it and do the introduction and make sure that you have a good body and you line it up with some conclusion and you round it up with some supporting points before you go ahead and give the plan of salvation. Good God Almighty. That man has put everything in a box, in a structure, to say this is how it's supposed to be. Just because Saul, you the king, just because you have the land, just because you have the money, because you're popular, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no room for me at the table? Can I not sit down and break bread with my brethren? Can I get my turn so I can rise up too? It's sad that I look at older people. And if I step on your toes, say out. So hold on to your seat because you need to hear what thus said the Lord of hosts. It is sad when you be with leaders. And I heard this story that this pastor was 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old, up to 90-some years old, sick in his body, sick enough unto death even went to a nursing home, but refused to pass the baton, refused to take a good preacher in his church or find a little David, refused to set his church in order so that God could get the praise in the next generation to take it off. That he'd rather die first on his deathbed. I'm not leaving my church to him. He ain't my son. He ain't my nephew. He ain't my cousin. He ain't my bloodline. God didn't give it to you and your whole family. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. He didn't say, I'm going to build upon your grandson. Uh-oh. He didn't say, I'm going to build it uh, upon your daughter-in-law. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Saul refused to give David the opportunity to say, you know what, David, uh, sing songs and preach the word and play those instruments. And I'm getting comfort. My spirit is calming down. I feel good at night that I can go to sleep. But I'm not going to let you sit in here and take over my kingdom. I'm not going to let you come in here and, and take over my church. I'm not going to give you the opportunity. What I worked for 20, 30, and 40 years, I'm not going to give it to you. Look at the same pastor that God has blessed him that the building is paid for, that he uh, raised the church up. But because he became vain, me, myself, and I, because he started doing things his way and not listening to God, the membership went down. A lot of people had went to other churches, and they looked at Facebook and YouTube and Twitter that they were finding uh, other services on Zoom. They got tired of being in your house because that spirit of jealousy and hatred and manipulation and control, that you didn't feel the joy of the Lord. You didn't feel the presence of God. You didn't feel the move of the Holy Spirit because your spirit as a head had the very essence of God out of his shrine, that it was a struggle. Saul had a struggle in his kingdom. 
was losing his popularity. He was losing his shine. He was losing the very favor that God gave him because he'd rather put his family person on the throne, which was his son at the time. But God saw that there was somebody that would be humble, somebody that wouldn't compromise, somebody that would reverence him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, preach and teach on the radio and TV broadcast, give up their evenings and, and stay and go into the library and find music that would soothe their soul to govern themselves accordingly so the presence of the Holy Spirit could come out and bless them. God was looking for a faithful few that would stand in and say, you know, I'm not the best thing that I could be, but I'm trying to reach the mark of the high calling. Saul refused to turn over the baton, give somebody an opportunity, raise him as his own son, help him to divide the word. That seasoning that he had got through the years of being in leadership, that he wouldn't release that knowledge to somebody else. I saw a particular man that God had put about three or four elders in that church that God wanted to send them out to raise up an army of churches under the senior pastor leadership so that thousands of souls could be saved and radio and TV evangelism could come to pass. But they got mad that I'm not going to bless her. She's a woman. I'm not going to give it to him, you know, because uh, he, he hang around the wrong crowd and talk to those wrong people. I'm not going to go over there because they're not my family. They're not daughter or son-in-law. I'm not going to help the next person because they're going to take over my church. The man's vision was so narrow that there was souls that needed a release to set up more houses for God so it can spread like the 12 tribes of Israel. Even though the man said, I'm a senior pastor, I told him, I said, you're an overseer, that God is blessing your territory. He enlarging your camp so you can oversee churches. I said, you're a bishop. I ain't no bishop. I said, well, let me ask you a question. If you're a senior pastor, then what, do you, what are you senior over? Well, I'm the senior over my son's church. I said, oh, so you're a senior pastor because your relative got a church, so you are the senior one to give him some advice. I said, but what about the ones that's in the church where you would be a bishop over the leaders and can pull a congregation and fellowship together and pull unity in the body of Christ, raise up different houses that you could oversee as a senior pastor and govern the things of God? No, no, I just do my son's church. It's sad. And and then the relief came in, and, you know, I'm praying that I'm relief came in, and I said, God, have your way. And I'm sitting there because God said, why am I sitting here at this man's house that he got his own church, his own way of doing things? I sat at the back. I was in the overflow room. Sometimes I would be down in the basement. And I would just sit there in the kitchen, and I said, I would pray. I said, God, why am I here? And God showed me that the man was spiting the nose off his own face, that he would pass the baton. What happened? That people was leaving and setting up their own churches. Some of them became shipwrecked because they had no guidance. Some of them just went out in the wilderness 
some pillar to post, hoping that things will work out. And some recognize the anointing, and they would call and ask for prayer and for guidance. And I tell a lot of them, look, be respectful of your leaders, keep friendship with them, leave out and be in order, but govern your house accordingly. That God will use Samuels to come into a camp to talk to the leader, like Saul, to pour oil and fresh anointing those that God is raising up in that territory so that they can be the next king. But I have found leaders to be like Saul, who was getting old, who received the past of the time, did not want to see another man get blessed because they were shadowed. They had that, as we said, that shadowness, that, that personal sin, that negative influence, that wanted to express me, myself, and I, that personality that wouldn't be a celebratory or wouldn't be a blessing for others for advancement, they did it to themselves, God forbid. You know, I was talking to people, and they said, they're jealous of this one. And I said, why are they jealous of these people? Don't they wake up in the same land of the living? Don't they have opportunity to go study and find themselves approved? There's Bible colleges now on online, TV, Internet, Zoom. Don't they have opportunity that churches are just like bars? It's everywhere on the corner. All they have to do is humble themselves, submit, study to find themselves approved. But they get jealous when somebody else walked 10 years, 20 years, 30 years of ministry, and God take them from one level to the other level and try to help them. What they do, like Saul, they try to badmouth the character. They got a lot of arrogance. And they said that I'm going to leave and I'm not going to help them anymore. And um, I'm not going to use uh, uh, my ability so they could get raised up. God forbid. It's the ability of God that's in you, like David. David came to be a blessing to Saul. David fought the life. David brought in the anointing. David was able to praise and worship God and to serve God in such a way that the favor came upon his house. But no, Saul would rather die than try to elevate somebody that he felt that uh, he didn't want to do it, but what it really was, he didn't elevate David because he was jealous. He didn't want to pass the baton. He had already figured who he wanted to be so these persons could uh, take over that church so it can get empty, so it could dry out and die, so it could just, uh, you know, just fade out in the wilderness and wonder what happened. You need to do more evangelism. No, you need to get right with God for the favor of God can come upon your life, and he will add to the increase. David still became what God wanted him to be. Don't you know, and I'll give you a secret, when you praise and worship God in your heart 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you just say in your heart, I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Every minute of your waking hour that you in communion in your spirit, hey! Hallelujah to praise God. That when you have your spare time and bad as you want to watch Jeopardy and you want to watch the prices right or 
you may want to go ahead and enjoy that movie, but you have been committed to say, I'm going to take time out my day and praise God. I'm going to take time out my day to reverence him. And it said when people have become robotic and say, you know, I'm going to go to Bible class, I'm going to go to Sunday school, and I'm going to go to church on Sunday. And I'm going to be at the church. You know, I'm at the church three or five times a week. But you're selfish. You don't have love in your heart. You don't exalt, edify, encourage others. You won't open the door. You won't speak with kindness. You won't move that big hat and big pocketbook over so somebody can sit on that bench. You have gotten to the point that you got to be up front so you can be seen. She always make announcements. He always sing that song. Then take your butt up there. Join that choir so the microphone can be passed to you. Stop talking about somebody else and trying to do the work when you won't do the work and you complain about the work. And then you look around when God sent in a little David from the outside, when God sent a little drug dealer in the church, when God sent a little prostitute in the church, when God sent a poor brother in the church, when God sent an orphan in the church, when God sent a nobody in the church, that becomes a somebody. That you'll say, you know what? I ain't going to tell my church over there. Oh, I work too hard. It's not your church. It's God's church. These are not your people. They're God's people. These are his souls that need eternal life. They don't need eternal hell and damnation because your spirit of wickedness and evilness. Sure, there are those who have been raised up in the church, and I hate to say it, that when you look at some of those stories and you read the Internet, and you say, wasn't that his son? Wasn't that his daughter? Wasn't that a family person? Wasn't that somebody was sitting there 20, 30, and 40 years that this happened? God will send someone in that won't compromise. And if not, they'll be out in the wilderness. I don't want to be a killjoy to you, but God told me to tell you, don't be like a Saul. Don't be a hater. Don't be self-centered. Don't be self-righteous. Don't have so much pride. Don't get to the point that you don't know how to pass the baton. I want to put this in your mind, that when you have an ability, encourage somebody else, show somebody else. I am so proud that I never recognized that I have tried to push my kids to greatness. I have tried to encourage them to go to college where they can afford it or not. I'm so proud when they try to go get their job and get up every day and out there hustling, doing the best that they can. I'm not a hater to say, oh, they're going to go to college and I didn't. Oh, they're going to get a better job than me. Oh, they're going to outshine me as their mother or their father. I had someone to tell me that I wouldn't be nothing, wouldn't succeed to do anything, and I would never make as much money as them. And I was like, I didn't care if I had an opportunity to just live, have a roof over my head, have food to eat. I wasn't in competition to see if I can get a better job because that's my father or mother, to see can I get a better house or car because I want to show them that I made it. I was grateful for the parents I had. I was so grateful that I had an opportunity and that my mother was trying to push me to greatness. She didn't care if I went to... Uh, seminary, Bible college, school. She tried to help me, gave me her $200 to go to a four-year institution with $200. 
And yet I look at parents that's jealous of children or relatives that's jealous of family members or strangers that can't stand their neighbors because they're trying to make it. That why would you hate a man's guts? But you're sitting on your butt not doing nothing. Why would you hope that they fall? But you're not trying to go to college yourself. Why would you be in competition with the church? But all you do is sit there and talk to the deacon board and give them your ideas and eat chicken dinners on Sunday, and you're not trying to do no evangelism, or God will fill up the house, and then you sit back and say, look at me. I'm a saw. God forbid. It is time that we get the plan and purpose of God right in our lives. It is time that we learn how to be unselfish and pass on a baton. It is time we stop critiquing Apostle Mercer and I read your broadcast and see if it line up with the word or is she going to play music all tonight or is she going to preach and teach because you don't want me to open this mouth. And stop worrying about my business and be concerned about your own. You got six months to mind your own business and six months to leave others alone. Be about your father's business. Be about God's focus. Jesus came to this earth and said that he was sent by God. Good God Almighty. Jesus always said that he was about his father's business. And at the end, he told God, he said it is finished, and he had been about a good work. You got to look at your focus. Look at the direction that God has sent Pray to see what is it that God wants for your life and be an intercessor to others. Pray for others that they can make it around the world. Encourage others that they can go on worldwide radio and TV. Invest in different things of others so they can be uh, risen up to the next level to help our children in the street, to help displaced mothers homeless people, pass that baton so that things that you're not able to do, especially those who are old and getting older, that someone more younger with stronger legs and backbone, don't get as tired or as sleepy, can help build up God's kingdom. Good God Almighty. People say it's, it's tight, but it's right, that God will have the final say. Be consistent in God. And be consistent in praising God and building up his kingdom. Don't tear it down. Don't be like a Saul. Saul was rejected by God because he got beside himself. Well, I told you what thus said the Lord of hosts. This is my encourage you to read uh, the book of Samuel for yourself, the first chapter and the second chapter. And as you see, I love the flow as a prophet to praise and worship God. But when God give it to me, I will rightly divide that word of truth and preach it. So you, you got what God want me to give you, to want us to walk in love and repentance and humility. God bless you again. You can listen to us on this radio station. You can uh, hear us Monday through Friday. Please dial 319 Yes, you have the number, but I'm repeating it in your heart so that you can give it to somebody else 
so they can feel the presence of God, the favor of God, the worship of God, and hear the word of God. Pass out that 319 number, 527-6036. I'm challenging you. I need you. I am commissioning you to go help me spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime that you feel led, and God tell me the same, you are welcome to come and preach on this station. Anytime that I can help you to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can come on this radio, TV, whatever, that there is always room in the end that you are welcome. You are welcome to be in this place. Anytime I can help you, I have 30 years of ministry training to encourage you how to raise up your church, how to rightly divide the word of truth, do workshops, seminars, anything that will spread the gospel of Jesus Christ effectively and be effectual, please call me or to write me at P.O. Box 9786, that's Baltimore, Maryland, 21284. Again, that's 5 Ministries, P.O. Box 9786, Baltimore, Maryland, 21284. I come to help share in the blessing that God has given all of us, and I'm touching and agreeing with you for your greatness and for the miracles that God has in your life, not only for healing, but for breakthrough. But God said that he sent us out in twos. And I'm one of them that will walk with you through the valley and just pray you through as I intercede. It's all about God. It's not about me. But I'm in agreement that God can do anything for fail. God bless you again as we listen to Jeff Majors and Songs 23. Remember now, if God can't do it, it can't be done. I want to encourage those babies who've been pushed back, held back, left back, and even try to have the rug pull from under you, you're still going to be great. What is written in the Lamb Book of Life will come to pass. Don't worry about that the job left. Don't worry about that you was put out the church. Don't worry about that the family shut the door. Do not worry about that you could not see the forest for the trees, that behind the veil that God got a blessing for you, good God Almighty, that God will, 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 be done. I say it again, that God will, will be done in heaven as it in earth. God bless you again. You're listening to the Fivefold Ministry Broadcast. I'm your host, Apostle Margie Mercer. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.